stand with us this morning. Let's celebrate a love that is beyond our understanding. Are you ready? We're going to need you to sing loud and to clap and put your hands together. Sin and 
Feels like a thousand people here this morning. Good to see you. Welcome here. Some of you, it may be your first time. Some of you, it may be a while since you've been able to be here in person. We're glad you're here. For those of you who are at home, we're glad that you're joining us from there as well. Before you're seated, without leaving your seat, why don't you just turn and uh, say hi, smile with your eyes, and, uh, and then you can be seated. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning. I hope you're doing okay. And uh, here we are in the first week of September. And uh, I know for some of you, this was a, a week of some of you starting university or placements, others, kids going back to school and getting back into some of the normal routines. And uh, so I hope your week went okay. And uh, I know that sometimes the first week of September is one of the most hectic weeks that we have in sort of adjusting to new realities, but uh, I hope you're doing okay. We're glad you're here this morning. I just want to remind you, I have one announcement to remind you of this morning, and that is uh, we are going to be doing an online prayer gathering this Wednesday evening coming, which will be uh, September 15th at 7 o'clock, and uh, you can join that over our Zoom platform. We did many, many, many of these, it seems, uh, since uh, March of, how long ago was that? 20 years ago, I think. Uh, so starting back then, and uh, we're, we're going to be connecting, and it'll give an opportunity for those of you who are able to uh, come out on Sundays to join, but also for some who are not able to be here on Sundays to also be able to join. So we'll be doing that this Wednesday night, and I'll be sending out an email on Tuesday. The link will be in there, and if you don't get a link, just let Cindy know. If you're not on our email list, um, just, just make sure you let us know, and we can include you so that when there's updates, uh, you can receive those. And sometimes I have people saying, I, I'm not getting your emails, and uh, just say, just check your junk folder. For some reason, technology thinks that what I have to write is junk. So, you know, check your trash or your junk and, and just make sure it didn't get sort of re redirected there. And uh, along with that Nigerian prince who wants you to invest in their, in their startup company. So, um, yeah, so just make sure you check that and we'll, we'll gather together and we'll enjoy a time of prayer together um, in September, on, on, on Wednesday night, September the 15th. And Lord knows we need to be praying right now more than, than probably anything else. So um, let's just let's keep that in mind. Kids, grade JK to grade 5, you can uh, just head around the side perimeter, head out this morning. Glad that you're here. Hope you're doing okay with back in school and so on. And uh, Chris and Carlene, going to hand it back to you guys. Thank you. God bless you this morning. So many of you know I'm a teacher, and um, I just went through a recertification program for a reading uh, recovery sort of uh, certification that teaches kids that have learning disabilities with reading, and they, they cannot access the, the same way of decoding and reading that other kids in the room might. And so I went through this recertification process and our instructor online, she was um, singing. She was singing all these things. And I'm sitting there and listening to her do the chants and do the singing and realizing that's what I've done my whole teaching career is singing the, the grammar rules to kids and making them sing them back to me. And it dawns on me as I look at the songs that we are about to sing 
worship and we praise to lift up the name of Jesus. It's for an audience of one. But there are so many times where we are so forgetful and where singing truth lodges it in our mind in a way that just maybe reading scripture or hearing it doesn't do the same thing. And the same way I sing with all of these kids so that they can get locked in their mind. They remember it so much better if it's put to music. We have a disability when it comes to our faith in God. It goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it gets shaken, it gets stretched. And we're not always able to stay the course and trust that he is good, that there is a faithful love that follows us no matter what your circumstances or reality are. And so this morning as we sing, would you allow your faith to have that locked in in a melody so that this week, if you feel your faith shaken, if you need it to be increased and strengthened, there will be a refrain of a chorus that will come to your mind. There will be a part of a verse that you will be able to sing, to chant. These songs are to lift up the one who is the great I am, but they're also to remind you and me in a way that we will just have percolating and going on in our mind, on and on this week, that he is good, he is faithful, he is for you, and he has plans for your life and for mine. You may remain seated for a moment. We'll ask you to stand and join us later. There is strength within the sorrow. There is beauty in our tears. And you made us in our morning with love that casts out You are wisdom of 
Say 
Thank you, Carlene and Chris and Luke, for leading us this morning. And I just want to say thank you again, not just for today, but over the last number of months, just uh, so many times having to be creative and uh, just uh, changing and trying to find a way to keep us connected. Uh, you guys were a big part of that and um, bringing familiar faces to a, to a screen each week for those when we weren't able to gather together. So thank you so much for that. I also want to say thank you to those who uh, over the summer uh, filled in and especially Pastor Scott, uh, allowing uh, Jennifer and I to be able to take some vacation this year. And um, it was nice to be able to get away. I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be an old man. <laughs> and uh, I'm just finding more and more that those times are refreshing are more important than they've ever been. And uh, but for that to happen. So thanks, especially to you, Scott. I really appreciate uh, all that you do. Well, Jennifer and I have always made family vacations uh, a priority as we are raising our children. And many of our family vacations over the years have involved a road trip. And many years ago, before Google Maps and uh, Apple CarPlay, we would get trip ticks from CAA. Anyone remember those? Right? You get your trip ticks from, from CAA. And uh, 
they would provide you with a, you'd tell them where you wanted to go, and they would provide you with a customized booklet that was even bound, and, and in there, there would be a map that was highlighted with step-by-step step directions, and there was, uh, they would highlight sites of interest along the way, and there would even often be a few coupons that you could use for hotels or different restaurants uh, along your route. Now, later, our triptychs booklet was replaced by a GPS that sat on the dash of our car. And on one particular summer morning in West Virginia, we set out on the final leg of our drive to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And our GPS was taking us up some very narrow, winding mountain roads. Now, at first, we didn't think anything of it because you all know that, of course, Google Maps or a GPS, they always pick the best route, right? It doesn't ever take you anywhere off of your track. And so at one point, we were driving along up on the mountain, and I was able to look down, and I could see over there in the distance, way down at the bottom of the mountain, the highway, the road we were supposed to be on. And suddenly it dawned on us that something must be wrong with the GPS. And so we stopped to investigate, and sure enough, someone had accidentally enabled the avoid highways option on the GPS. I'm sure it was me. And so it was easy to reset the GPS back to, you know, highways, but at that point, we were so far into being off track that it would, we would need to continue at least another hour on this alternate route to pick the highway back up and keep going. Now, at first, this ordeal was frustrating. It was frustrating because, well, we weren't where we wanted to be. We were somewhere different than we, we set out to be on. This is not the road we set out to be on. This is... This is not what we intended when we started. And, of course, on top of that, it was taking longer to get there than we wanted to. And, you know, every dad on the face of the earth wants to get from A to B as quickly as possible. Bathroom stops, not even an option. We're going to lose valuable time. The six trucks I just passed, they're going to be in front of us again. You just got to keep going. Well, we're losing valuable time. But after a few minutes of frustration... Well, you know, we thought, we have no choice. Let's make the most of the situation. And we found ourselves actually enjoying the detour. We saw things we wouldn't have seen had we stayed on the highway. We got to stop for food at places we would have missed. And we got to see views from the mountain that you just don't see on the highway. Completely different perspective. Now, many of us find ourselves on roads we didn't set out to be on. Many of us can see where it is that we want to be, that we intended to be, but we just can't seem to get there. And for most of us, things are moving in our lives oftentimes, well, the, right, the things we want to move quicker are moving a lot slower than we want them to move. And of course, the things we don't want to move quickly tend to move like lightning. The point is, is that life is filled with unplanned detours. And during these detours, we find ourselves oftentimes asking the question, 
Now what? Now what? You lost your job. Now what? Your marriage just ended. Now what? You were just diagnosed with cancer. Now what? You just lost someone you love dearly. Now what? Your child is heading down a very concerning path. Now what? COVID has seemingly changed everything, and just when you think there's an end in sight, it just, it just continues to go on and on and on. Now what? Now, while each of these situations we face are going to require a very unique and specific response, there's no question, there are, I believe, some principles and some practices that can guide us when we're asking the the now what question. The early church, I believe, faced many of these now what moments. And how they responded to those now what moments, I believe, provides an example for us of these core principles and these practices that we can apply today when we find ourselves in unexpected moments of uncertainty and change. In every challenge we face, there's a choice that we must make. And so one of the questions, and the one that we're going to deal with today, is we need to ask is this, excuse me, are we going to panic or are we going to pray? Are we going to panic or are we going to pray? Now, today we're going to consider two of the early church's responses of prayer when they were faced with now what situations. Now, for the early church, it's important to note that prayer was not just something they did. It wasn't just something they did. Prayer was not just something that they were a part of. Prayer was a defining characteristic of who they were as followers of Jesus. And so today we will be reminded that detours in life provide us with the opportunity to experience God through prayer in ways we wouldn't if everything went as planned. Now there are two verses early in the book of Acts that I would like to very briefly consider today that highlight the themes of trust and courage when it comes to prayer in a now what situation. So let's start with trust. Trust. In Acts 1.14, sorry, I think I messed up the slide there. In Acts 1.14, we read, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer. Now, there is so much, I believe, that we can glean from this short verse when we understand where it fits in the book of Acts and the now what situation that they were facing. Luke tells us who was present during this particular prayer time. We are told that the 11 remaining disciples are there. We're told that the, the women and specifically Mary, the mother of Jesus, interestingly, this is just for free, this is the last time that she's mentioned uh, in, in, in the New Testament specifically, and we're told that Jesus' brothers are there. Now, this group had been with Jesus from the beginning, from the very beginning. They had made the sacrifice 
to follow him. They had endured the pain of his, um, you know, his, his, his crucifixion, his arrest, his, his brutal beatings, all of those things, they've in, they endured the pain of watching that. They went through the anguish of, of his death and, and knowing that he was laid in the ground. They went through all of that together, and then they were able to enjoy and rejoice over his resurrection together. They'd been through so much. The one they thought was gone had come back. And so in this scripture, for the past 40 days, they have enjoyed his company. They've enjoyed his teaching once again. In fact, just before this verse, we see his final teaching time and a meal shared with them. They had been through so much, but things now were seemingly getting back to the way they were before. Jesus was back with them. Jesus was back teaching them. That's what they wanted. That's all they ever wanted. They wanted things to return to the way things were before everything went out of control with the crucifixion. But that was not the plan. The cross would be a turning point, a defining moment in history. And Jesus' goal was not to take them back to the past that they enjoyed because the past, well, that was the past. It it was gone. They couldn't live in the past. His goal was to take them into the future. And so he promised them a future of greater things. His words. He promised a future of being empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish kingdom things, well, that they would never be able to accomplish on their own. He promised to use them not only, not just to reach Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria and even the ends of the earth. He was leaving, but the Holy Spirit would come and propel them into their future destiny. And so he said to them in his final words, I need you to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit's empowering. When he comes and empowers you, then you will do these things. And so with that, he ascended into the clouds and he disappeared from their sight. Now, I want us to notice that sometimes we just read that and we gloss it over, but you need to understand, this is a group of people who lost him once, and now they're losing him again. He's gone. He's disappeared from sight. He disappeared the first time, but then he came back, and everything was good, and they wanted the past, the way things were in the past, and, but now he's gone again. Now what? Now what? He's really gone. Now what? Well, it says they made a decision. They were not going to panic. They were going to pray. They were going to do exactly as he asked them to do. So we're told they left the Mount of Olives and they traveled to Jerusalem. And once there, they did the one thing that made sense to do while they were waiting for the Holy Spirit. They prayed. I believe this prayer was an act of trust. They, were, they found themselves suspended between a past that they longed for 
and a future that was unknown, and they found themselves suspended between personally being with Jesus and, and waiting for the Holy Spirit to come that Jesus had promised to them. So why is it that they did what he asked? Why were they waiting? Why were they praying? Why now? Why are they praying? I believe because they trusted that the promise of God was reliable, even though the future was unclear. The promise of God was reliable. And so prayer in the early church was a declaration that the followers of Jesus trusted his promises, even though they couldn't see the promise fulfilled yet. And so here they are, they are praying, why? Because even though it hasn't happened yet, they believe it's going to happen, because he said so. Many of us find ourselves suspended between a past that we long for and a future that is somewhat unknown. We find ourselves lamenting the job that we lost and wishing we could go back to having that job or a job like it. Lamenting a marriage that is over and wishing we could go back and to those moments when we were happy, when it seemed to be working. Facing a health crisis and wishing we could go back to the way it was before that moment in time where those words and that diagnosis changed your life forever grieving the loss of a loved one and wanting more than anything in the world to be able to go back to what it was like before they left. Watching your children make harmful choices and longing for the simpler days when they were younger. The biggest challenge was I had a bad dream. Dealing with the restrictions and the changes within our culture and how that affects our church community because of a global pandemic and longing to get back to the way it was before it all happened. But the truth is, folks, we can't go back. And as hard as it is to move forward into a future that seems so uncertain and troubling at times, we must hold fast to the promises of God, believing that God has a new chapter for us, new experiences for us, greater things for us to accomplish for him. God is not finished with us yet. A chapter may have ended, but our story is still very much being written. And so prayer is a demonstration that we trust God. Prayer is a declaration that we are clinging to the one who is constant in the midst of an ever-changing world filled with turmoil prayer that is not focused on a specific outcome that we want from God, but prayer that allows us to rest in him and trust that he will do what he's promised to do. Prayer that helps us wait on him. Prayer that helps us to release 
the pain, the disappointment, the expectations of the past, and trust that there is indeed better days ahead. Now, we stop praying like this when we stop trusting that our lives are completely in his hands. And so I want to encourage us today, let's not trade this type of trusting prayer for a sporadic wish list of things when things get bad. But instead, let prayer encompass your whole being. That it's not just something you do, and it's not just something you're a part of, but it is a defining characteristic of who you are as a follower of Jesus, as a child of God, believing his promises that there is indeed more to come. And our future is not in our past. It's ahead of us. Trust. The second theme I want us to look at is courage. In Acts 4.24, we read, When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. Now, to understand this verse, we have to go back to Acts chapter 3. Peter and John were on their way to the temple for prayer. They encountered a lame man, and they healed him in Jesus' name. That miracle opened the door to share the gospel with those who were in the temple courts who had watched, witnessed the healing of the lame man. And so they're, they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching about Jesus, who he is, that he was resurrected from the dead, and, 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 and they're preaching the gospel. And some religious leaders and the captain of the temple guard, well, they're upset with what they're observing because they were teaching that uh, Jesus had been raised from the dead. And we're told that the religious leaders here are actually Sadducees, and the Sadducees actually didn't believe in resurrection. And so that was even more insulting to them, not just it was about Jesus, but they didn't believe in it at all anyway. And so that's what they were hearing. Now, by now it was evening as things were progressing, and there's no time to hold an inquiry into the conduct of these two disciples before sundown, so they locked them up for the night. The next morning, they're brought before the religious leadership, and the same, you need to know that this is the same group of people who only weeks before were doing the same thing with Jesus, with his arrest and subsequent crucifixion. And so they asked the disciples, by, by what authority do you heal this man? By what authority? And so we're told that Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, preached the gospel of Jesus to them, began to tell them all about Jesus. And the religious leadership was astonished that these uneducated men showed such courage and they could speak in such a way. Now, I want us to remember one of the promises that Jesus made was that when the Holy Spirit comes, you will stand before authorities with boldness and courage in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and defend and so here we have an example. It's, it's working. <laughs> it's working. The trust paid off. The, the Holy Spirit who came and empowered Peter, now Peter is standing. Very clearly, Luke makes it known to us in the power of the Holy Spirit, and they're amazed at what he's saying. The religious leaders warn them to not continue doing what you're doing. Like, you must stop. Peter and John told them 
We can't stop. And we're not willing to stop what we're doing. Now, awkward moment for leadership because the man who had been healed was actually present. <laughs> and all the people were there praising God because they had witnessed the miracle. So you have witnesses and you have the lame man and there's really nothing the religious leaders can do here. And so they're released. They immediately returned to the other followers of Jesus and told them everything that had happened. Now what? Now what do we do? Are they going to panic or are they going to pray? I want us to note the response, as I read it earlier. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. After they finished praying, it says, the place where they were praying was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. I think it's important for us to look deeper into this prayer time. Peter and John had already been released. It was, it was over. They're, they're home. They're safe. No harm had come to them. Why did, was there this need to pray now? What exactly was the purpose of praying after the fact? They, they were already back. They were okay. Well, if you look closely at the actual prayer, they're not praying for what happened. They're praying for future encounters. You see, they knew that this event was not an isolated event. They knew that this was not a one-time thing. They knew that this was going to be the new normal for them going forward. This was just the beginning, and they knew it. I'd like us to note that they weren't praying. You can read the prayer right there. They were not praying that God would keep them from these kind of events in the future. They weren't praying, oh God, please protect us and, 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 and keep us so that these people aren't mean to us and don't arrest us and flog us and kill us. God, that's not, that's not what they're praying here. This is what they were praying. They said, God, please continue to do miracles. God, please continue to heal people. God, give us the courage, give us the boldness to continue to preach the truth about Jesus even though we are facing these threats at all times. That was their prayer. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be, I'd be scurrying in the corner like, oh God, keep this away from me. Oh no, they're praying like, bring it on. Bring it on. We want more. We want more. It's going to get worse. We know that. But we want more miracles, more healing, more truth of Jesus being preached. And if this is the price that has to be paid, give us the courage to do it. They were praying that God would use them as servants to accomplish his purpose despite the hardships. And God affirmed their prayer. You know, when we pray, we say amen at the end. And amen meaning, you know, so be it. <laughs> God said amen at this prayer meeting with a room-shaking amen. The amen was so powerful that the room where they were praying was shaken and they were filled with a fresh outpouring of the Spirit. Why? Because, because courage and boldness was only going to come from the Holy Spirit at work within them. And so fitting 
that there's a fresh outpouring of the Spirit upon them as they prayed this prayer for courage. I must confess that the focus of my prayers are often centered on what I want God to change. They're often centered on what I want God to do to make my life and the life of my family members and the people I care about and my congregation better. My prayers are often focused on what I want God to provide for me and for my family. And I suspect that many of you can attest to that too. Now, it's not that these prayers are necessarily wrong, but, but in these moments, I'm reminded that this type of prayer focus sometimes flows from a place of entitlement, from this sense that, well, God owes this to me. In fact, I even think that if I recite the words in this certain way that I've been taught from that TV show, that somehow that moves the hand of God, and it, it really is nothing more than spiritual arrogance, by the way, but I won't get any deeper into that. But it's that thought that God owes me something, that what God should be doing for me. And when I, when I, when I approach prayer in that way, sometimes it keeps us from the type of prayer that we see in our scripture today, the prayer for courage. Because the other is a, is a prayer of escape, but it's not a prayer for courage. Prayer that focuses on what God wants to accomplish in the midst of the challenges that we're facing. Prayer that acknowledges that circumstances may not change. And in fact, our circumstances may not change. They might even get worse. Yet God desires to work in the midst of these circumstances to bring about good and accomplish his purposes. We sang about that this morning. Prayer that declares that God is often more interested in changing us and changing others than he is in changing our circumstances. In fact, sometimes changing our circumstances would remove an opportunity for God to do the work he wants to do. And so accepting that serving Jesus in this world is going to come with challenges and pain helps us to be the people of prayer that we need to be because we recognize we can't do this on our own. We just can't that we need the Holy Spirit to help us to have the courage to face the challenges we face despite the impact it has on us. Often our prayers are reactive. Something happens, we pray. Nothing wrong with that. But we also have to be people who proactively pray. People who know it's not going to be easy and don't have you know, and, and don't save our prayer investment for times of crises only, but we instead live in this constant state of being prepared, of being surrendered, and having the courage to face the hardships because we know that God is with us in it. Now, perhaps you're experiencing a now-what moment in your life today, whether you're here or you're at home watching. Maybe you're finding yourself 
on a road that you didn't set out to be on. Maybe from where you are, you can, you can see where you want to be, but you just can't seem to get there. And perhaps things that you want to see good in your life are moving a lot slower than you want them to move. I want to remind us today that in every challenge we face, there is a choice we must make. Are we going to panic or are we going to pray? As I said in the beginning, prayer in the early church was a declaration that the followers of Jesus trusted his promises even though they couldn't see the promises fulfilled yet. That's what it means to be people of faith, believing what is not seen yet. Prayer in the early church was an expressed desire that God would use them as servants to accomplish his purpose despite the hardships they would face. Folks, detours in life provide us with the opportunity to experience God through prayer in ways we wouldn't if everything went as planned. I'm going to invite our worship team back. And I'm going to invite you to stand with us this morning. Carlene is going to lead us, and momentarily we are going to flow into our communion time this morning. But I just pray today that as we sing and as we pray and as we participate in communion this morning, we would open our lives and ask God to increase our trust. Asking God to increase our courage. Courage to face whatever it is we're having to face. Praying today that the Holy Spirit's healing would flow through our lives for the brokenness that's come as a result of our now what moments. I encourage you just to focus on allowing God to, to bring healing and strength into our lives this morning. Carly, would you lead us? Your blood that stained the ground is where Yeah. 
this morning. Hopefully you picked up a fully contained communion elements. For those of you who haven't become accustomed to these yet, just to give you a little bit of help in accessing them, you'll see a tab. If you push that tab down, you'll notice that a clear plastic will separate from the main tab. If you pull that back, that will give you access to the wafer. And then if you pull back the purple foil, it'll give you access to the juice. In 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 to 24, Paul writes, For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Jesus, we thank you for your broken body. In verses 25 and 26, Paul says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we stand in your presence this morning. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you that the work that you are doing is not done. We thank you that the promises you make are true. We thank you this morning that you are reliable. We thank you this morning that you're one that we can come to with the burdens and heartache of life. We can find strength and hope in you. We thank you this morning for the incredible work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that enables us to be reminded of the promises you've made, but also gives us the strength to live each day as you've called us to live. Lord, today we ask that you would make us people more and more who are people of trust, trusting you, trusting that you're not finished yet, trusting that there are indeed greater things ahead, that you're working in the midst of all of the challenges, and we can put our trust in that. We thank you today, Lord, that in the midst of ongoing challenges that seemingly never end, there is one who is constant, and there is one who can give us courage and boldness to face what we are called to face. 
Lord, today I pray for those who are in this room and those who are watching on our live stream. Some may be in a moment of a now what moment, confused, hurting, angry, frustrated. Lord, I just thank you that today we can bring that to you. We can bring our frustration. We can bring our hurt. We can bring our anger. We can bring our disappointment. We can bring that to you. And I pray today that you would help us to be people who in these moments do not become consumed with panic or anxiety and worry, but instead become people who learn to find strength and hope, confidence in prayer. And so God, I pray that you would lead us and you would guide us and you would help us. I pray for your wisdom in these days that we're living in. I pray for your protection and your safety. I pray, Lord, that we would be wise in our decisions. I pray that we would be compassionate in our decisions. I pray that we would honor and glorify you in anything that we say and do. Father, I pray for those in our congregation this morning that may be facing challenges in their lives. I pray for those who are hurting today, those who are sick. We bring specifically before you Edith Sauce this morning. And we pray, God, for your peace and comfort in her life. We pray for your healing upon her body. We pray, Lord, that you would, we know that you're with her and that she would know that you're with her and her family in this time. And for those who have needs in this place today, needs that are not spoken out for the others to hear, but you know the burdens that we're carrying. We commit those to you this morning. We ask, Lord, that you would help us to trust you, to find strength in you. As we leave this place today, we are grateful for the opportunity to have gathered together to worship you, sense your presence, to be together in community. I pray that you would continue to watch over us and lead us as we leave this place this morning. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I ask a favor?